Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had a great break. I wanted to let you know about something that I've been talking a lot about on social media at Zibby Owens, which is the hashtag 22 in 22 challenge. We are... At Zibby Books, we are encouraging everybody, like all of you, to visit 22 bookstores in 2022. And we're going to provide a whole series of incentives for every five visits, and you'll be entered to win a $500 shopping spree, and you'll get fun things like bookmarks and all the rest. Plus, you'll be part of a great community of people all helping support bookstores, authors, and more. We're really, really excited about it. If you want to join, sign up. You just go to 22in22.net. That's 22in22.net and click I'm in and put your information. And then every time you go to a bookstore, you just quickly go back on the site and click log a bookstore visit. And then we'll be keeping track and we'll be following up with all of your different achievements and awards and everything. So please sign up, spread the word, 22 and 22, get your friends to join and start visiting bookstores and it'll be really fun and exciting. So here's to a wonderful 2022. I'm so excited that you're listening to my podcast and doing all the fun things that I have been trying to bring into the world. So here we go, 2022, hashtag 22 in 22. Michael Tubbs is the author of The Deeper the Roots, a memoir of hope and home. At the age of 26, Michael D. Tubbs became the youngest mayor of any major city in American history. As mayor, he was lauded for his leadership and innovation. Under his stewardship, Stockton was named an All-American City in 2017 and 18, saw a 40% drop in homicides in 2018 and 19, 
led the state of California in the decline of officer-involved shootings in 2019, was named the second most fiscally healthy city in California and one of the top most fiscally healthy cities in the nation, and was featured in an HBO documentary, Stockton On My Mind. Oh, maybe I should watch that. Tubbs raised over $40 million to create the Stockton Scholars, a universal scholarship and mentorship program for Stockton students. He is the founder and chair of mayors for a guaranteed income. Tubbs has been named a fellow at the Harvard Institute of Politics and the MIT Media Lab, a member of Fortune's Top 40 Under 40, a Forbes 30 Under 30, all-star alumni, the most valuable mayor by the nation, the 2021 Civic Leadership Award winner from the King Center, and 2019 New Frontier Award winner from JFK Library. Before taking the helm as mayor, he served as council member for the city of Stockton District 6, was a high school educator, and a fellow for the Stanford Design School and the Emerson Collective. The author of the memoir, The Deeper the Roots, Tubbs currently serves as the special advisor to California Governor Gavin Newsom for economic mobility and is the founder of End Poverty in California, EPIC Epic. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Deeper the Roots, a memoir of hope and home. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I know we were just saying your wife was on this podcast. Anna Malika Tubbs was on this podcast about a year ago. And I feel like maybe you're the only two people who have been married who have both been on the show. I'm going to rack my brain and see if I'm wrong. But I think you win that award. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I, I'm, I think we were talking about this last night. You're like, man, I don't know if they've had any other husband-wife duos <laughs> come on. I guess you get you you win a double date with my husband and me if you ever want it. <laughs> oh, we're so in. We're so in. <laughs> We're always up for that. <laughs> okay. Would you mind telling listeners about your beautiful memoir? I was so moved by so much of this. And well, why don't you why don't you start and discuss sort of how you decided to even write a memoir? And you know, I really want to hear more about your essay for Alice Walker and how that was the first time that you shared your feelings publicly for this essay contest and how that really got you to write for the rest of your life, essentially. Yeah, well, growing up, I was such a bookworm. I and I particularly loved two genres of books. One was sort of coming-of-age memoirs. Folks were adolescents coming to adults. And oftentimes written by Black men, but I also loved, like, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. I just love reading about people growing up as I was growing up. I found that to be fascinating. And then I also was interested sort of in political biographies or bi biographies of leaders or memoirs by leaders about like the choices they made, about like the messiness of making change happen, about what it meant to lead. So those two things have always been North Stars. And I remember thinking like people do when they read books that, like, oh, one day it would be cool if I had something to say that could be like this for somebody else. And then when I became mayor, I was elected on the same day that President Trump was elected. So a lot of people thought, there was an interesting commentary on America, the fact that the country could do both things on the same night. And, and what does that mean? What does that suggest? And, and, and how do we move forward? And, but I mean, I was busy being mayor. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And I just took a long time. And then finally, with the birth of our son, Malachi, I realized we needed money for childcare. <laughs> if I wrote this book, I could have a little bit of money for childcare. But in writing it, it just became so apparent that the moment we were in was so unique that I wanted to have a timestamp to mark it so that it's not it's not sort of colored by ambition of a grander office. It's not colored by sort of 
just how you get as sometimes as you get older, you become more jaded and more cynical and, and less. I just want to like, in this moment, let, let's write it. So that's the long answer to to why the book and the first out literally the outline of the book I wrote in high school and, and for Alice Walker's essay contest. And it was, I literally did that. You know, as you could tell, I'm just like very pragmatic. I did that essay contest, not because I wanted to be Alice Walker, but because I wanted to get an A in drama. And it was extra credit. I needed the extra credit to get the A. And so I said, okay, I'll write this essay. And the essay prompt was, how did you change your own life building on the themes of the color purple? And I knew it was college admissions time as well. So I said, well, maybe I can workshop this and this could be my college essay. So let me just knock it out now, get some feedback. So I wrote about both my mother and my father. And I mean, everyone knew my mom was young because she looks young, but no one knew she was like literally in high school, like my the age I wrote the essay when she had me. And then people would always ask me about my dad, but I would like I didn't hear them. I would make up lies. And so it was the first time I told like, oh, my father's actually been incarcerated. And this is sort of what, what drives me. And this is what I've learned from both of them. And I won the essay contest and I was just shocked with how moved people were by sort of the story, the essay. And I was like, it's just life. Like, who, who who cares? Because also growing up, my mom was very adamant about you don't need to tell people your business or our business. Like, no one cares. It's not important. You just do a good job. So I was shocked when I would get, like, literally people were sending me scholarship checks in the mail, like individuals. People were asking me to come talk to their juvenile jet. Like, it was just crazy. And I was like, all because I wrote this essay. And that was a marker or a spark to your point around the importance of storytelling, the importance of narrative. And also now that I have a little bit of a platform and, and you do this so beautifully, the story of using your platform to lift other people up and give other voices a chance. Because I mean, Alice Walker is Alice Walker. <laughs> so not only was it a good essay, but the fact that Alice Walker said, this essay embodies the themes of my book. It, really just changed the trajectory of, of, not to be hyperbolic, but like <laughs> the rest of my life was changed from that high school essay contest. Well, if anybody sends you a check after listening to this podcast. I'll split it. I know. We'll I'll split, split it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You can have it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, there were so many moments in your story that were just, just, I can't stop thinking about it. So one of them was when you went to visit your father in prison for the first time and you saw him for the first time and you thought you had an idea in your head of what he would look like. And when you met him, you were like, he didn't really look like that. Looked a little bit, you know, younger, older, whatever, but he looked a little like me. And I feel like in a movie that there would have been like a screen, you know, like it would have faded to black when you said that line. Cause like, for me, I had to like take a pause and like, you looking at him, I don't, it was such a poignant moment and I didn't do it justice here, by the way I described it, but just the reckoning. And also, you know, when you had been tutoring, that was also crazy. When you were tutoring your, the prison guard's son, who was of your dad, that was so nuts. And then knowing that and you meeting him, oh my gosh, tell me a a little bit more. Well, I actually had forgot about that prison guard moment until I was writing. And his son was one of my best friends. So I hung out with this kid all the time. We were always together. We played basketball together. I would go support him on his traveling basketball team. His mom loved me. So I was at their house literally every weekend. Crazy. And his mom really loved me. And his dad was cool, but he was always just looking at me. And particularly being one of the few Black students at my all-white school, I was kind of used to people looking at me. But 
But so I was just like, what, what's, did I do something? What, what, what's wrong? And finally, my friend asked his dad, and his dad was like, well, there's a Michael Tubbs that is on the, the, the block that I, that I police. And he's like, I'm just keep looking at him like this kid that's tutoring my son and so well mannered. And <laughs> his, that, that, how can he be related to someone inside the prison? And then, so my friend told me this and he's like, yeah, it's like some dude, Michael Tubbs in his prison that he's like trying to figure out, is he related to you? And I remember just feeling like, like my, my, my breath was taken away. I'm like 12, 13 years old. And he's like, huh? I remember feeling like very proud, but also very sad. Like, wow, like my friend's dad knows my dad better than me. And wow, like, but also very proud. Like, wow, I'm tutoring his son in, in, in math. Like, I felt really good about that. And then later I ended up visiting my father. And I mean, when you're young and you have a vivid imagination, particularly something's gone, that gives you the, the space to dream. So I just dreamed my dad was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like he's in prison, so he's super buff and he's strong and he's going to, but I had no idea what, I didn't, never thought what he looked like, like physically, I just thought he's this big, strong, intimidating dude. And then when I saw him, he, he was about my age now, like 31 years old, so he looked really young, looked a little bit tired, but the biggest thing, I was like, oh my gosh, like I look like, <laughs> like he looks like me and I didn't, which is just dumb. Like, of course you look like your parents. You came from somewhere. But because he wasn't there, I there was no constant reflection on that. So when I saw him, I was just like, oh, my gosh. He looks like me. And then I think one of the things I took away from that meeting was like, this could be me. Like, like, like this is like, it's not some abstract notion. Like, literally, there's a mirror image of you in a place like this. So how do you make sure that doesn't happen? And that became sort of, a huge motivation, a great strength, but also a great weakness in terms of being just laser focused, hyper determined, like pit bull, locked jaws on doing everything possible to make sure I was successful, make sure I did everything right, make sure I was able to do better than, than, than my parents. Well, I also feel like you had your mother there making sure that that was going to happen. Oh, I mean, yeah, I- yeah, yeah. I think sort of the determination if not in eight, it was definitely a learned survival defense because <laughs> you can't live with my mom and not do well. <laughs> and, and not yeah, I got do that something. vibe. Like, <laughs> you're going, you either you were born determined or she's going to make you determined. <laughs> yeah. I think I need to parent a little bit more like your mom, I swear. I mean, me too. Oh <laughs> I also loved how you always said how. Wherever you were, even when you were in the temporary housing and all you had was like a block of cheese from the state or something to eat, your mother was so classy, right? She was always just like, this is where we are now. This is not where we're meant to be. Like, this is not where you're going to be. And this is just, don't make this about who you are. This is just where we happen to be. I feel like there's such a huge distinction there and that you sort of isolated yourselves against the neighborhood and just like did your thing and knew you were just passing through. Yeah, I, I, I credit her for sort of, just a vision that was different and just refusing to be defined by like very adverse circumstances and never being comfortable, never being, or even if, if, even if it was like, this is good enough for me, this won't be good enough for you. And I, she was just very, she just sent so many signals. Like you don't belong here. Like, this is not like you're going to be, there's more for you. And, and also the, that, 
just because these things happen, we're still going to live with dignity. Like, yes, we could be upset, rightfully so. Yes, we could be angry, and we we should be, but you're not just going to sit in there. We're, so, I mean, like, living in the projects, we're going to, like, the best private school. <laughs> like, 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 this thing she did, like, like, she just made sure that I understood I had worth and I had value. And I, you don't recognize that when you're a kid. And it wasn't until I really sat down and wrote this book and thought about, like, wow, mom and my grandma and aunt, you guys were brilliant in making sure we did not internalize our environment yeah. and that we did not internalize sort of the things that were bad, but that you just kept telling us like, no, this is where we are, but where you're going is dependent on other, that like you have some agency in, in, in how that goes. And even though now in my current work, I'm always talking about policy, policy, policy. I'm so thankful that as a child, when I had no say over policy, my mom really instilled in me agency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so you can make the change. Yeah. How do we navigate and get through it? Interesting. Yeah. And that was one thing you said your father didn't, he was, a, it was, a, he was like a victim of the system. Yeah. And like at home, it was all about agency and here it was like resignation. But, you know, I, as I was reading your book and obviously there's like a spoiler, which is, we all know you become the mayor, you know, which is like amazing, but I try not to think about it while I was reading and being like, what's going to happen to this guy? <laughs> Who knows? So I'm watching you grow up and obviously you're so bright and it was so interesting how, you know, you were sort of straddled the two different social circles. And when you were in the international baccalaureate program, how you had to like make friends across both lines. But I was like, okay, great. He's like super smart. I totally get it. Like no matter what, like this book where I'm really smart. But then when, when you filed some sort of like civil rights lawsuit against your teacher, I was like, okay, here's where this guy differs from anyone else, right? It would never in a million years occur to me to file a lawsuit or like to take things to that level. And I was like, this is like, I don't know. That seemed to me the moment that really set you apart. That you, So tell me that, tell that story. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help 
and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Yeah, I did well in school in spite of most of my teachers, not because of. And again, now as a 31-year-old, as an educator, spent years teaching students, I get how I could have been annoying. Like I was very energetic. I was very, like all the things people like about me now, I was really the same way at like, 13 years old, but I wasn't the mayor. So just like, who, like, why, why do you think? <laughs> so I had so much energy. I always wanted to do group projects. If I was done, I wanted to walk and talk to my classmates. I, if I disagreed, I would raise my hand. And, 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 and I, I don't think, so I, I get why I was annoying for some teachers, but I don't agree with this, like kicking me out every day. And literally it's no exaggeration. Every single day I was kicked out of at least one class. And Luckily, I like school because I think about sort of what message that sends. Like every day you show up excited for class and like get out, like you don't belong here. Like, 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 like that, that I'm, but I'm glad I had those other messages from home and from church. I'm like, no, 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 you're fine. We just gotta, we'll figure out how to make this work. And then one teacher in particular was my high school biology teacher who was a, a former officer. And it was weird because like the IB program had this like haughtiness to it where we were better, smarter more worthy of resources and support than all the other kids in the school. And that always bothered me. And he would say things like every class, right? Well, those kids outside, like there was noise, noise outside. Well, those kids are going to pump your gas one day. Or, or, or those kids are on the highway to prison. And it's things like that. And we just didn't, he was a bully. Like he had like this helmet called the retard helmet. Where if yeah. you asked a question he thought was dumb or said a statement he thought was dumb, you have to write the quote and put it on the helmet. And I mean, as a 15-year-old, 6-year-old, I think it's funny, but now as an adult, that's abuse. Like, you're abuse. making the classroom an unsafe <laughs> environment for inquiry? Yeah. Like, what? Like, you, you, you'd be terrified to ask a question about the college-level biology we were learning because you didn't want to be on the retard helmet. And you would have to wear it in class. And he'll take a picture of you. And it says, like, retard. Oh. Like, like, think about how violent that is, right? <laughs> I would never, so I, would, I, would, I would never speak. I was shy enough to begin with. Like, if that was one of the risks, there's no, I wouldn't, you would like, not know right? what like, my it, voice even sounded like ever. It, it's crazy. So we, and then I noticed every time things would be normal, but every quarter around the end of the quarter, all of a sudden there'd be zeros. I'm like, no, I did that. Like, but. So it got to the point where I would literally photocopy my work before I turned it in. So if it was a zero, I'd be like, oh, no, it's right here. That's how crazy it got. Or a lot of our tests were based on drawing. And I'm not, I can't draw. Like, I don't know if there's a learning difference or something. I, I literally have never been able to draw well, like, at all. So I would draw things and label it correctly. And it'd be half the test. And he'll give, like, zero. Looks nothing like the heart. But it's like, I'm not, it's in an art class. It's it, and why not give us the, the heart so we can just label the things? And that's what you want us to get to. But it was literally about the quality of my drawings, right? And I just, and he was really upset when I got into Stanford. And he told everyone he, that would listen to him that 
I played my black card to get into Stanford or I won a Coca-Cola scholarship. And he said, well, Michael gets scholarships because he's the color of the drink. And he was sitting next to my classmates, right? Who are who didn't get into Stanford, like building resentment and anger and vitriol towards me. So longer story short, towards the end, like my grade went from like a B to a D and you can get rescinded from Stanford for that. So to your point, I had to think about, so what could I do to make sure that I wasn't rescinded mm-hmm. and to also signal to Stanford the serious, like I'm not making this up. It's not like some senioritis stuff. This is like real like craziness. So I'm like, you know what? I have to file a formal complaint. So I, I wrote the complaint. <laughs> I gave it to the NACP. We met, we met with the superintendent. They did an investigation. And starting that next year, he wasn't, he's not, he, doesn't, he hasn't taught at that high school since. Like, he's not allowed to teach in our high schools. He still teaches community college. And my admissions officer called me. And this was all like the day before graduation, too. Like, all this is happening the day before graduation. You're supposed to be so excited. I have, I'm like nervous as hell. Like, what, what, like, am I going to go to college? Like, is everyone going to think I'm a failure? Like, what is he going to win? And my admissions officer called me crying. It was like, thank you for this. I'm so sorry you went through this. And he, she said, I'm glad you did this because I needed proof or evidence. Like, this is not just a case of senioritis. So I'm glad you had the mind to do this. And with all that said, and I should have mentioned this in the book, I started Stanford on academic probation because of that class. I started Stanford and it was like, you have to get a 3.0 in your, oh <laughs> your first gosh. quarter because of that. And the last thing I'll say, because I'm waxing poetic now, is that it was so frustrating because even in talking with the superintendent who agreed with my claims, he said, I can't make him change your grade. And what? I was like, wait, wait what? He's like, I, I, I legally cannot tell him or make him change your grade. And, and for me, it was just an example of how power operates and how sort of we have all types of people with all types of control over people's futures with like unchecked power, like veto power. Mm-hmm. And that's to your point, I became really interested in like, how do we change that? Or how do we at least change some of the people who have the power? So it, it operates in a way that's in everyone's best interest. So that was longer than the book. But you're the first one asked me about that episode. I've done like 20 years. That's why Thank I'm you. talking to you. I love hearing this. I, I like the backstory. I read the book. Like, I like the, the extra stuff. This is like the bonus material. I'm like, I've made it through the movie and now I get the extra clip or something. Anyway, well, I, you know, hats off to you because that took, I mean, obviously you're brilliant, but that took real brilliance to go that route. And, you know, got, it just like makes me so depressed to think about all the teachers who do this with no checks and balances ever. And the kids who have been affected by teachers like that, even right this second, yeah. so somebody's sitting in a classroom and there's some guy who's just belittling a student. And you know, as I've, as I've done all these podcasts, like honestly, the most important thing to becoming a writer I've found, well, one of them is if somebody acknowledges your talent. Like, look at you and Alice Walker. Yeah, you see yeah. one person, you know, one adult to say, hey, you're a good writer. You have talent. And then that's like enough. <laughs> but well, if you don't all, have anyone, you know. Well, there's all this research that about how students in particular rise to the expectations of those in authority, mm-hmm. whether it's a parent, whether it's a teacher. There's like the study done with teachers that all the students came in at equal level. And the teachers were told before the year that this half of the class was advanced this half of the class was not advanced. At the end of the year, the side of the class that was said that she was told was the teacher was told was advanced actually became advanced. And the side of the class that wasn't advanced or that was average 
became below average because they were told they were below average. This is because all these like the expectations, the way they were challenged, the way they talk, like it's wild. So there's so much authority adults have. And I think a big part of the book is illustrating to your point by Alice Walker and other, like the woman at my church would give me books, yes, yeah, yeah. how one adult, so nice. while we work to change a system, how one adult can make a world of difference that we all have a role to play in, in, in identifying, mentoring, and supporting the young people in our, in our communities who we have no idea who they can be with just a little bit of love and a little bit of support. Wow. Well, I don't want you to have to go into your whole political philosophy and, you know, all of that. But how are like what are you doing for education then with all of this background? Yeah, so I my master's actually is in education policy. So before I ran for city council, I thought I was gonna be a superintendent. I wanted to be a superintendent of a school district and I wanted to open like a boarding school in Stockton. That was like my dream. And maybe I have a lot of time, so maybe eventually that, that will happen. And when I was mayor, I started a program called Stockton Scholars. That's still going on. I'm still the chair of it, where every single student from our school districts who graduates with just a 2.0 or higher is guaranteed a scholarship to community college, trade school, or four-year school. And then on top of that, we have a bunch of like sort of service learning placements so that when they're in college, they can come back and serve as reading coaches or math tutors and stuff within our school system. And then I kind of wrote this book as a, I used to run a book club when I was on city council. And I, and I wrote this book as a way to sort of hopefully get students like me who are in IB and also students who weren't in IB, like a real flesh and blood story of a politician that's closer to their age, mm-hmm. of, of, of a politician who sort of make feel more accessible because you're like, you're a local politician, not like a senator or president. So I, I hope that over the next year or two, I can have a lot of conversation with schools and and groups about sort of the book and about sort of some of the lessons in there. And I hope that everyone, but particularly young people, read it and find inspiration, find solace. But I think the most important thing for me is for them to read it and find find like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like, oh, like I I, I should be upset about the things that aren't just. Or, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this is hard, but it's possible. Or, oh, wow. Like, I can actually, I can do it, right? And, and that that's my biggest prayer. Wow. Well, I think it's also inspiring because both you and, was it your dad originally? Were both, they both called you the mayor, right? Of your <laughs> schools, right? You like held court at the table and you were like, I want everybody to know I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> even if they're not my friends. Sorry to even try to say that. But anyway. But that was beautiful. Quoting, that was like, I was just quoting, you know, thank you. <laughs> no, it fit. Like you had you had inflection right too. I appreciate yeah. it. Okay, good. But the crazy, not crazy, but just the magic part of the story is that then you actually do that. Right. So for all those people who have this skill, right? The social skill and the and the and the intellectual abilities and all of it, like that can all, you don't have to just be the mayor of your seventh grade, right? You can actually be the mayor. So I don't know. I think that's also really exciting too, because it feels like really impossible to make a difference and to be in politics or maybe, you know, there's, it gets a bad rap of what you have to sacrifice to be in politics. So anyway, that's a a really, another thing that I found very inspiring. Anyway, last question for you, because I feel like I could talk all day, but maybe we'll do that over, over dinner with, you know, our staff. Yeah, uh, we are, I'm telling you, we are so down. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Writing is so hard, and particularly for someone who writing is not their, like, dated, like my wife is, she has such a discipline about it. We're writing our books at the same time. I actually got my deal 
two years before her and her book was still out the year before (laughs) doing her PhD and while being pregnant and planning a wedding and all this other crap. But she has a discipline about it where every day she would write for two hours and I'm just not disciplined in that way. So it's like, I have to be in the mood. I have to have inspiration. I have to be really focused. I have to have be facing a tough deadline, or I have to need like childcare. Like, like it has to be very tangible. But I would tell authors that for me, the guiding light was I think it was a Maya Angelou quote that said, "There's and I'm going to mess it up, but basically, it's like there's no worse burden than a story that has yet to be untold, or to have a story in you that you haven't told." And I think that was a real guiding light. Like, oh wow, even if no one else reads this, like this is important for me. Like this, there's something I have something to say. And then number two, I, I would say you have to be authentic. I, I know, so I had really great editors, but even in the editing process, there's like some things that they don't need over-explain or some things I don't know. And it was like, I, I, I have to be true and authentic. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then number three, you're never done. Like I cringe sometimes when I have to read. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I should have added this. Or man, I forgot this story. And I think that's the beauty of writing. It's iterative. So even when your book is finished, it's only just starting. And the best part is when you get to talk to other people about what resonated with them or what they connect with or what they thought. And, and the last thing I'll say is I remember in high school, we used to do all this literary analysis. We'd always talk about like what the author meant. And I always wondered, are authors really that intentional and think of all these themes and all these motifs? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking in English <laughs> class. I'm like, I like to write. I don't put any of this stuff. Yeah, in I, was my say, <laughs> I was like, there's some themes I did intentionally, but some of the stuff people are coming up with, I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's it. I didn't think of that, but that's brilliant. I wish I had because that 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 makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's so funny. I know. I was like, I don't understand why we're analyzing things this way. I promise you, the author didn't mean to do that. That didn't go over well. No, I'm like my teacher's like no. And anyway, so I'm delighted to hear you say that. But I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's easy to just extrapolate after the fact. But anyway, all right, Michael, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thank you for sharing your story. And oh my gosh, you're so young. I mean, I'm only 45, but I'll I'll pretend that I'm your older and wiser person. You, you are. I cannot wait to see all the stuff that you do in the world and all the other books that might come out and just the good work you're going to do. So go forth and conquer. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I can't wait to our double date. Can't wait. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.